0: It's New Year's Eve. Everyone is having a good time, but you are distracted. You look out the window and notice a strange but familiar fog has begun to creep down the cul-de-sac. And in that fog, a shadow looms. Something is coming. Something that hunts you every year at midnight. On this episode of Belief Hole, we present the strangest true tales of the unexplained, from grasping, snatching, disembodied hands, to faceless playmates lurking in the trees. Join us as we enter the dark woodlands of our reality and cut a pathway through the bazaar to uncover the eternal mysteries that sit obscured by the everyday, but haunt us night by night. conspiracy synchronicity sesquatch homunculus alien races satanism in hollywood mk
1: ultra tartaria there's like a whole i've been watching this one guy that- close the door is jury in, close your dark
0: What's the, uh... Inner Earth Disagreements Ghost Dad! <laughs> I like that movie Dogman Bohemian growing Felt Magicians are Demons Specters spirit, spirit Summonings <laughs> Plurality Strange Disappearances Sky Whale Phenomenon yes. Alternative History Shadow People Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth It's getting dicey out there Poltergeists That's cool And knocky. What is the moon? <laughs>
1: Elf Towers I would never talk about it, that's old Y2K
0: Cover-ups Apocalyptic Catastrophe Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Hi. Well, hello, hello, Jeremy. Hi, John. I'm Jeremy. I'm John. And I'm Chris. And we are the brothers of the Believe Hole. And we are excited to welcome you. We are the guardians of the Believe Hole. Also the guardians. Mm -hmm. We're the keepers. Many purviews to this position of the Believe Hole. Yes, we're excited to have you here today because we are doing our first Strange Listener Stories of Season 5, Strange Listener Stories, 18. That's right. It's going to be a doozy. Yeah. 18 Listener Stories episodes, guys. Do you believe it's it? pretty nuts. That is very nuts. Not as nuts as some of these crazy tales, John. <laughs> Sorry. Way to bring it back. Yes, we have had many, many fascinating accounts, fascinating stories on the show. And we will see, for the course of this episode and the course of this show, as the show goes on, how the webs weave. How the webs weave? Sure. How the threads weave, a web, if you will. How uh, the nodes of truth intersect. Exactly. Yes. And how they point to a reality that we can only see on the periphery of our everyday lives. But here in the whole, it is the focus. And today we have some prime examples of that. Don't we, Chris? We absolutely do. Yeah, this is going to be rich. What's coming up? Uh, yeah, this one's great. As you know, we cultivate every episode to be the best of the best of the stories that are submitted. And coming up on this episode, we have Humanoid Playmates. <laughs> We have bedtime snatchers, which is going to involve the strangely common in our archives, disembodied hand accounts. Another they just one. just keep coming. This one's pretty fascinating. Uh, we have an account of a Skinwalker Ranch escapee. Oh. So think about that. What does that mean? It's an escapee from Skinwalker Ranch. Really? We'll tell that story towards the end of the show, so stick around for that. And one of my favorites of all time. The Curse of the Transdimensional Ghost Car. (laughs) I like that. Sounds a little cheesy because I'm not great at titles, but it is a fantastic tale and it just keeps bending around the curves. Did you mention Ghost Dad? I did not mention Ghost Dad. That's another great one. We have (laughs) others that we're also doing. Ghost Dad's great. Yeah, you thought that one was pretty excellent, right, Sean? Yeah, I thought it was cool. It's uh, not the one with Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost um, at. yeah it's a great tale i love the tale i like that movie without spoilers uh for the story that we're going to reveal i like the element of how it initially comes up and what yeah, the, maybe I shouldn't have, yeah know. Yeah, maybe I, I shouldn't have said that Well, as the title it's kind yeah, of a spoiler it is a spoiler <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it the boogeyman
1: that would probably be better because
0: that's what initially it is referred to as either way i think it works no spoilers here no spoilers um and of course we have uh, a fascinating account, a, a triple account, if you will, a trifecta of a Scottsdale haunting. Oh, yeah, it's just gonna be really fascinating. Yeah. And that's coming up later as well. Oh, and we do have one speak pipe today that I included in, this, in these submissions um, that may involve, well, I, I feel like as soon as I say what it's about, it kind of gives away the story. So is it a scary story? It's not, it's a more introspective. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's, that's a really interesting one. Yeah. But let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Our first tale. Is quite incredible. This is what I call Midnight Mustang. My older brother once did his science fair project on ESP, or extrasensory perception, and he used us siblings as guinea pigs. I was 11 years old at the time, and this all started in Perry, Georgia. His favorite game to play with us was, quote, what color car is going to come around the bend? It was fun and I usually could tell what it was with some accuracy. Anyway, that was the first year I was allowed to stay awake for midnight on New Year's Eve. And as I looked out the window, I noticed a red Mustang convertible pass the house. Ever since then, every year at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, I see that car. It's become a tradition for me. Even one year, driving through the grapevine in California, at the stroke of midnight, out of nowhere, there was my car. Weird. Yeah. Then, one New Year's Eve, I wanted to show a guy that I wasn't crazy. This night, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, and it was foggy as hell, and 70 degrees at midnight. I race down the driveway of my parents' house to see down the road to the intersection. And there's my car, passing by. I turn around to see if the guy had seen it too, but he wasn't there. So now I'm in a dark cul-de-sac, in thick fog, with one light illuminating the shadows. Then, in front of me, this hulking shadow starts walking towards me out of the fog, A huge black and furry outline, kind of like a black bear, had wandered into view. It began growing thicker and taller, and the feeling of dread turned my feet ice cold. I ran back down the driveway and ran into the guy I had tried showing my car off to.
2: Hey,
1: what are you doing?
0: I never went outside after dark there again. Anyways, my New Year's tradition still holds strong. Every year at the stroke of midnight, I see my red Mustang convertible. That hulking figure is another story. Isn't that weird? Weird. Yeah, right? Super. What super the strange. hell does
1: that have to do with the Mustang, that hulking?
0: That's a great question, isn't it? That is a question. I have a theory, and it's speculative only, but I do have a theory. I mean, this is kind of out there, but do you guys remember we just did an episode on the, um, if I pronounce this right? the Golasov ravine do you remember that it was an expansion oh, episode yeah. about this weird place in, in russia this ravine the high strangeness yeah, ravine it was filled with you know mysterious mists and fogs oh, yeah. reports of two interesting things that were common connected to this ravine was time loops people going in coming out at different times right. or seeing things repeat and hairy humanoids that's right big hairy furry fellows coming out no mustang so, so. what if this mustang how whatever <laughs> for whatever reason it's connected to her it seems like it seems to be a connection with this this looping car coming back, haunting her in a sense, every New Year's Eve. What if it's almost like somebody left the gate open? No, I knew you were going to say that. And that car comes through at the same time that this window opens to whatever other reality experience realm. There's an opportunity there for something like a giant hairy humanoid to pass in, say hello. I mean, that's speculative. No, I I love that idea because initially, if you remember the very beginning of the story, she said that her brother was doing his science fair Project on ESP, so he started with a game with her. Try to guess the car coming around the next corner, and it was midnight, New Year's Eve, the first night she was allowed to stay awake. So when she was very young, and she saw in her mind's eye this red Mustang, and then what came around the corner that red Mustang, and ever since that night, every New Year's Eve that comes around the corner, so just just weird. Like, did she create this thing? Maybe I don't know. Maybe she conjured it. It sounds like a movie. It does. It is very. It reminds me of our you Afraid of the Dark" concept Mm -hmm. or Twilight Zone. It's another reason I love this story because it is so odd unique yeah unique uh, new york it was very strange yeah great story yeah thank you for that submission cat uh excellent excellent tale yes i don't know what that is and john the thing coming out of the fog that hairy thing how does it connect i don't know but maybe it does have to do with that window you're referencing chair window area maybe even just that conjuring mm-hmm. if there is some sort of yeah let us know uh this new year's eve get a picture yes please have your phone It would you. be freaky to see a hulking hairy yeah, figure in the fog i'd run away too It'd also be terrifying. I'd stick my tongue out at him. <laughs> That'll <Bye>. show him. <laughs> also, yeah, just the car coming every year would be freaky.
1: Yeah, definitely sounds like the beginning of a movie.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Film it for us. Have your phone. Yeah. Next seriously,
1: time. if you if you can get a time stamped video of that, it'd be maybe awesome. we should just stream
0: it live. Maybe we should just meet up with Cat on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I, you know, the last two New Year's Eves were awful. We were stuck in hotels. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we had terrible New Year's Eves the last two ones. We've been yeah, we almost died. Anyway, that's that's for another tale. Well, what's next on the agenda here? The agenda of Strange. Let's go over to Scottsdale. Let's hear the accounts from Jerry. Yes, this comes from Jerry and this is a great tale. Let it roll, John. Our home is in the far northern end of Scottsdale, Arizona. We're just two miles from the twin towns of Cave Creek and Carefree. The home was built in around 2001 and sits on an acre of land, no close neighbors. Very early on, several strange things would happen from time to time, but they were all very subtle. I'll focus on just a couple of the more dramatic ones here. The first one takes place about eight years ago or so. My wife and I have four sons. At the time, they were all living at home. Our house is shaped like a U with a courtyard in the middle. Two of my son's bedrooms had French doors opening onto the courtyard. One night, I couldn't sleep. So I went into the living room so as not to disturb my wife. I was reading a book on my iPad and had left the lights off. Only the two hall lights were on. From where I sat, I could clearly see the door to my son's room and I could see the frame of the bathroom door directly across the hall. As I was reading, I heard my son's bedroom door creak open and it hadn't been closed when I sat down. I assumed he was either going into the bathroom or coming into the kitchen to get a snack. I didn't look up when I heard the door open, but I was expecting him to turn on one of the two lights. After a few seconds, when neither the bathroom light nor the kitchen light came on, I looked up, curious to see what he was doing. His bedroom door was now open, and it was dark inside his room. I was puzzled, then trying to figure out where he could have gone. Suddenly... I saw a short humanoid figure dart from his bathroom into his bedroom. As it passed the threshold, the door swung back to close. However, it was as if whoever tried to close the door didn't push it hard enough. Instead of closing, the door simply swung enough to bounce off the door frame without latching, and then rebounded open a couple of inches. I absolutely saw the figure and the motion of the door. The figure was odd. It was probably three to four feet tall, clearly human. However, it was a medium gray in color and translucent. I could see the details of the hallway and light filtering through it. Not only this, but it had this flickering effect, almost like watching a flame. I sprung up, thinking someone or something was in the house. My son's door was ajar, and I swung it fully open and turned on his light. He was face down in bed, asleep. I looked in the closet and under the bed. Then I thought, perhaps someone had come in the French doors. But when I checked the doors, the deadbolt was still locked. You cannot lock the deadbolt from the outside without a key. Weird. I love that because it has that trans-dimensional vibe to the tale. It doesn't sound like it's necessarily just your typical spook. Mm -hmm. There's the flickering, the semi-transparent, and obviously interacting with the physical door. Yeah. The flickering reminds me of um, Guide to the Unknown over in the UK. static entities. The static entity experience that she had had. Mm-hmm. We were sitting at the end of bed. It was flickering. And then we found went down a whole rabbit hole in that episode of these sort of static entities that are being reported around the world. Almost like they're just out of this realm, like phasing. I feel
1: like we need to have an experience because I'm starting <laughs> to not believe you something. You say this anymore. in every Listener story. I'm just getting jealous. Like I just, I know. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like the more we do the show, the less experiences I've had. <laughs> they've
0: calmed down since you've been yeah, doing the show. Yeah, I do feel like that. Yeah, the ratio of what we hear to like what we get to read right. about it's it starts to become a little like, where's my I want a ghost kiss. And I it's Jeremy the one
1: as usually says that, not me. That's yeah, true. That's true. I just I used to have all sorts of synchronicity and stuff mm-hmm. and just just very ethereal kind of I don't know how to even. even with people, like I could I felt like I could like read people's thoughts to
0: some I mean I don't You've know. You had a gift, John. Where's, yeah. your get, where's your? Where's your? I don't gone. know. It's gone. You got to reconnect. <laughs> I still have tons of synchronicity experience. I don't they're, have they're all any related of those anymore. I used to have them all the time. I wonder if it's because we do all the research stuff for the show. That's where they all come up. Yeah. When, I, when I'm researching is when I, they start popping up everywhere. You ever heard
1: of your reticular activating system? You've mentioned it before, but it left my brain. I mean, I, it could be responsible for a lot of it. It's like pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It doesn't see. It's. It's really weird the way it works, though. It's so deeply encoded in our DNA. But some, I mean, some of the, we've all talked about this. Some Mm -hmm. of the synchronicity stuff is just so bizarre. Yeah. But a lot of with technology, you know, when it's related to technology, I feel like it's a little more understandable how it could happen. Right. Especially now with the algorithms and and, advertising. Right. But when it happens outside of technology, when it's like a magazine or Right, Right then it definitely gets a little weirder. And I have had some that are just, when they stack up mm-hmm. multiple in a row, like in a day.
0: Yeah, and, the, and when they tie into, I mean, there's so many layers that go into like precognition, that go into premonitory dreamscapes, yeah. that sort of thing that they all tie right. together. We do need to do an
1: episode. There on is this. definitely something to it. For sure. But it's weird when it gets really prevalent in your life for a long time and then it just completely disappears for a long time. Yeah, But I do notice that it comes in, I know we're getting a little off topic here, but... It kind of comes in waves sometimes
0: too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the big waves where you'll get it like every day for a week or something and then, or every other day. Maybe it's building to a tsunami right now. That that almost adds, to me, that almost adds a little potential meaning behind it. Because if it was just random acts of the universe, you think it'd be kind of balanced throughout your life. But if you go through like a desert of synchronicity and all of a sudden it's like day after day after day, multiple day, it seems like there's something happening, some sort of Like trying to get your
1: attention almost.
0: Yeah, some current beneath- well, we can see that's, yeah. Because if it
1: happened all the time, you would think maybe
0: it's more like RAS yeah, or something. or you have a brain problem. Right right. I didn't do this, but for the expansion, I was thinking about doing time loops because it's Groundhog's Day today. So I was thinking, oh, God, yeah. I hope he doesn't see a shadow. <laughs> oh is that when we get spring sooner
1: yes i believe so jeremy oh, okay thank you john he doesn't run back in and for another <laughs> month or two because he's
0: warm he's he's happy that it's sunny and it's time for spring <laughs> i like it but I, so I was gonna do time loops right in honor oh, you don't of talk Murray. about groundhog's day oh we can <laughs> i was gonna do because of groundhog's day time loops And there was a story about a person who had deja vu for eight years. And the scientists were studying his brain and trying to figure out what was causing it. they think it might be linked to anxiety and depression. I think it's transdimensional phasing. That's what I think it is. I mean, they they still don't know. And that's a lot of flack they got from people was don't figure it out because a lot of people don't want, you know, I understand you want, guy probably wants them to figure it out though. Eight years, eight years of deja vu that would drive you insane. And obviously it really was disturbing to him. Just it was a cycle of anxiety. You know, you get the deja vu and it won't go away and then it just keeps triggering anyway. Yeah. Well, that leads us conveniently right into part two of this story. (laughs) Nothing to do with what we talked about. (laughs) Let's get back to Scottsdale. Let's hear more of his crazy tales. I was not home for the next episode. It took place about four or five years ago. By this time, my older son had gotten married. His wife and baby were staying with us for a few weeks while some work was being done on their home. One night, three of my sons, including the new father and my wife, were enjoying the stars around our fire pit. His wife was visiting her parents and the baby was asleep in the nursery. Over the baby monitor, my older son heard his baby stirring. He went inside to check on him. He said when he walked in the house, it had a strange feeling, like someone had just been there. The feeling made him a bit anxious, so he rushed to the nursery. When he opened the door, He said a woman with a husky voice said, Hey you. It sounded as if the person were only a foot or two in front of him in the dark room. That'd be terrifying. Yeah. He turned on the light, but no one was there. He looked around quickly, wrapped the baby in a blanket, and walked out to the fire. When he got there, my wife and my other two sons looked at him in stunned silence. He started to tell the story, but my wife interrupted him and told him, we all heard it, meaning they had heard the, hey you, over the baby monitor. That's creepy as hell. Shortly after this, my fourth son came home. They told him the story. He said it was likely the baby monitor had picked up some random radio her telephone conversation. This would be impossible because while the monitor had a speaker outside where the family was seated, there was no speaker inside the baby's room. If it were radio interference, Only my wife and other sons could have heard it outside. The father would not have heard the voice inside the nursery. The third story I'll share happened early last year when my youngest son moved out of the house. My wife and I were empty nesters. One night, we were in our bedroom. She was watching television and I was reading. Suddenly, I became aware of a voice speaking down the hallway in one of the bedrooms. The bedroom just adjacent to the former nursery. My wife turned to me and said, Do you hear that? I said yes, but I had absently been thinking it was my son talking to someone in his room. Then it struck me that he no longer lives in the house. I jumped up to see who it was. As soon as my feet hit the floor, a whistle came from just outside our bedroom door. I ran to the doorway. When I got there, another whistle came from the kitchen which is on the opposite side of the house, probably 30 feet away. My wife said,
1: What is that?
0: I told her I didn't know, but I said out loud,
1: Whoever you are, we don't want to play.
0: Nothing has happened since, and I hope nothing else does. That's creepy. Yeah.
1: So is Scottsdale, like, really old? Arizona? As a landmass? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it like, a, like an area, like a I mean, town, a- city? I mean, is it is like as is a historical place? A lot of history. That's a good question. I thought it. I thought it was. But this is I definitely not wrong. the oldest because it's further the right. west. But I know Scottsdale. Was it like one of the first western settlements? Let's see. How old Scottsdale? I don't know why. I just had the feeling that it was like an old place. But maybe. I mean, there,
0: there could have been battles there. It's like, true. Uh, oh, not old at all. 1951. Well, it says they had a population of 2,000. I guess that's probably when it was incorporated. Yeah, 1951. Hmm. So, but, but, but in the area, I'm sure there's been a lot of things that, like anywhere in the, there were people yeah. that have been peopled. Actually, yeah, it looks like it was founded by the Scott family back in the 1880s It was called Orangedale. And before that, it was peopled all the way back from 300 BC by the Hohokam people to 1450, and then the Pima people who still reside there today. So it's, it's got history. You know, not that you need an old, disturbance to create a current haunting no you know we, i don't know how old his house is i mean also is it a haunting and we talk about this a lot but is how much of these interactions are people that have died and how much of it is something from some other plane that's yeah. just a little further yeah. over. especially when we talk about like you know the phasing the old story had when his uh, children were young with the phasing entity that left his son's room and then years later the thing in the bedroom with the baby monitor is it all connected to the same sort of activity maybe the maybe it's just a thin area next yeah. to the next world a over thinny a thinny anyways point is we can't be sure what this was but the voice over the baby monitor reminds me of that's creepy super creepy it reminds me this isn't so much paranormal but remember that there was like a a swath if you will of people hacking baby monitors and like mm-hmm. saying awful things to the children the babies yeah. and the parents would walk in and just hear like the worst stuff that people like just really messed up oh, people messed up yeah. yeah
1: what would possess someone to do that satan probably demons inside them yeah you know or just i mean that, that's a dark thing to or, do. or kids
0: maybe kids trying to impress other kids by being but yeah it is that is particularly dark to like, a baby it's yeah. like a helpless child that's right just, you're just putting negative energy I, into. i could
1: kind of see it if it was like teens doing it but still i mean it's still pretty dark but yeah. like is it prank sort probably of a thing? tiktok challenge yeah, sure. It depends on how, what they're saying, but yeah, that's just, that's just dark Yeah, regardless. Anyways.
0: Anyways, but the, the, I thought that was an interesting part of this story was that there was no speaker in the child's room. So there's no way that he could have heard if it was someone hacking. That was the point that he had made in the story. The baby
1: monitor was just one way. It was though? a one-way baby okay. monitor.
0: So bizarre. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. One-way baby monitor. And when he walked in the house that he said, his son said that when he walked into the house to check on the baby, it felt like someone had just been in there or someone was inside. Oh, that's true. He, the sense of that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Jerry, let us know if anything's still going on and uh, hope you're um, haunting free. Oh yeah. Last thing I'll say about that is John just reminded me of your Whistler account in your house. What is it with whistling? Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Great stories so far. Great stories, guys. Yeah. Oh, this next tale is excellent. This next one is fascinating because it mixes what you would hear of, like, for example, like a shadow person account or something like that, but it mixes it with the tangible and also just disturbing when it comes to the elements of childhood. There's always a strange feeling when it comes to that interaction. Yeah. You're young and vulnerable and open to the unknown. Yeah. This was submitted by Ishmil, And this happened in Arlington, Texas. And it began in 2003. This is called Shadow Playmates.
1: Growing up in my parents' house, we used to have a lot of different things going on. Everyone that would come and visit would always say they saw something in the corner of their eye, but would never seem to catch whatever was looking at them from down the hallway. I remember passing by my sister's room and seeing someone standing there. And when I would go back to see, no one would be in there. I remember my mom telling us a story that once she was taking a nap with me when I was younger, she woke up and there was a tall, black, faceless humanoid looking at us while we slept. She said she prayed and it disappeared. I would also see these black humanoids. They would come out when the sun was down and my cousins and I would play with them. We would play different games like tag and hide and seek. And we would also fight like in the older days with swords, but we would use sticks. When we would play tag or play fight, the only way they couldn't touch us was if we grabbed this gold bar looking thing we found in the abandoned church that we would play in. We had been digging random holes one day and found it by accident. But I really can't remember when the first time those things came. Sometimes it was three of them. Sometimes it would be more. I can't find answers anywhere that could come close to what they were. They were taller and slimmer than us. I would say maybe five feet tall. I was around seven to eight years old when this happened. I remember they would climb on the trees and jump from one to another. But they didn't really move the branches when they jumped. I'm guessing because they didn't weigh much. Those things were really skinny. The fact that my cousins still remember this and find it creepy helps me to know I didn't just imagine this. The abandoned church I mentioned was by my parents' house and those things would walk on our roof at night. It's terrifying. One night, my dad got tired of hearing them walk around and went to do something about it. He came back running for his life. I saw one again when I was 19. As it ducked down to hide from me, I knocked down the dry dishes. I would see blue balls of light here and there. The last time I saw one was with my wife. She woke me up and there was one on the side of her bed. When I got up, It flew away and vanished into the air. My wife was so confused and didn't understand what she had just seen. I told her I'd seen those before, but that I wasn't sure what they were. She seemed weirded out that I wasn't scared.
0: Creepy. Yeah, definitely creepy. Yeah, lifetime of experience. Yeah. I just
1: think, you know, we've talked about this a lot too with children. It's like, you don't know what is supposed to be and what's not supposed to be. Exactly. You know, so like when you're having these childhood experiences, it's just like almost natural Mm -hmm. in a way. You're open to them. I mean, childhood imaginary friends, but they're not imaginary sort of thing. Yeah, the
0: line is blurred a little bit of what is real. And because yeah, you don't know, you're new in this world to a degree. Yeah. Didn't we get a follow-up from him too? Yeah, so I was going to mention that. And it's interesting in relation to what you're saying, John, what's interesting is that like for a long time, there's nothing and then it sounds like at age 19 he sees one again that's trying to hide from him in his home and then, oh, yeah. and then his longer follow-up he mentioned that where they would see these things later on in their life too in, in the house but they'd always be just out of view when you would go to look it's like a shadow person like it, that aspect definitely reminds me of the shadow person but what's so fascinating about this account and he said you know shadow people was the closest thing he could find online once you know yeah he got older but he said the physicality the fact that they were, yeah. first of all, outdoors, moving through trees. Th- right. They could interact. You could pick up a stick and play games with them. And That's so weird. The follow-up, John. Interdimensional John, beings. Maybe, exactly. Uh, this this was interesting. The game rules. He yeah. kind of bypassed it. Well, this was the, he's, the first thing he messaged us, because he sent multiple messages, because I think he works late shift and it's not easy for him to, to communicate um, in full at one time. So I think the first message he sent, actually, we didn't see this till later, but there were rules to these games he would play with these things. Yeah. he said that it was him, a total of five people that would play with these entities. He said, when we would play this game, we would play with dark humanoids. It was about three of them, sometimes more, as we said. He said, not sure where they would come from, but when we would play these games, if we would touch that gold-plated metal thing that he mentioned that they found in that church, they weren't allowed to harm them, they could, or they couldn't physically touch them. So when, when they were making contact, the kids were making contact with that artifact that they found, these black humanoid things couldn't physically interact with them. Like, and he said, what's weird is he's like, I don't know how, where the rules came from or, or how they came to be. Yeah. They just were the rules of the game. Like these things, somehow, it was almost like giving over your will. In a yeah. sense, like yeah. you can Almost do like this. you're in a trance state or something. Yeah, but they have to give you an out. Here, here's, this is the symbolic out that you have of playing with us or to be safe from us is this gold bar that you found if you touch that, we can't touch you. It is interesting because he did, you know, he found that gold bar and they live next to this abandoned church. Is there an aspect of spirituality that plays into this? He said that he'd never felt a negative feeling from them, but it, it is an interesting coincidence that there was this abandoned church and that their they artifact, they
1: were faceless, right? They didn't have no faces. facial
0: features. Yeah. Yeah. There's this thing online of people supposedly seeing shadow, I believe shadow figures, shadow entities in, in tree tops. Yeah. This is the last thing I was going to mention about this in sort of correlation to his account. Cause he wanted to know, have you heard of anything like this? Any listeners out there? Have you had any experiences like this that would come close to this? Well, I found on that great site, Phantoms and Monsters. Oh, Lon Strickler. Yeah. He's got a great collection of anomalous accounts that he's collected for you know decades. So I was looking through those and correlating and found, you know, from Pennsylvania to Arkansas were these sort of relatively recent reports of black humanoids that are somewhat physical, that are described almost the same way, Uh, no facial features, always seem to be coming from a tree line or involved with trees somehow, which I thought was interesting Mm. because it relates to this story and uh, very skinny, very thin. So very, very much like the way he's describing. Aren't there very like really old accounts too? Yeah. And this is the last thing I was going to mention was there is an account that Lon had gathered from a book by Graham J. McEwen, Mystery Animals of Britain and Ireland. And in this, there's a bunch of accounts But this one was the one that was interesting to Lon and interesting to our account here. And it's a quick, short paragraph. It says, It occurred near Woodseves, Shropshire, England, on January 21st, 1879, at around 2200, when a man was driving his horse cart across a bridge when a horrible black humanoid with huge shining eyes... This is the one difference here. The shining eyes is obviously a feature that these other accounts don't have. ...jumped out of the trees... There again, there's the trees. ...and landed on the horse's back... The man tried to push the creature off, but it would not budge, and the whip seemed to go through it. Hmm. So there's the physicality and the sort of phasing aspect to this thing. Transdimensional. Um, yeah. Uh, the horse panicked and went into a gallop with the creature clinging to it. The creature eventually disappeared, and the man arrived at his home in a state of shock. So, again, the correlations of the phasiness and the physicality, the mischievousness of it jumping down and attacking the horse, and it doesn't seem to be deadly, but it seems to be... You know, messing around. Shadow Stealers. Yeah. Goes back to the, was it Gnomes? Oh, yeah. The fairies we talked about. were guy steal your shadow. Cutting, was getting his shadow cut off. That realized. was a great, great episode. I'm telling you, man, they're taking these shadows and they're selling them on the black market so people can a weird slink, story, yeah. slink their way into our reality. Was that a listener story? No, that was actually in a, a documentary. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, if I can find that, we'll link that in so the show notes. definitely. That
1: would be a fun clip to release.
0: Yeah. Yeah, check it. That was our um, Revenge of the Gnomes. What what do we call that? Uh, That was an R. Stein book. (laughs) What do we call it? (laughs) Anyways, it was our gnome episode, two-parter that we did, really in-depth stuff correlating from across the globe. Terrorized by gnomes. Yeah. Anyway, you guys want to take a break? Yep. Yep. All right. But before we go to break, Chris, what is coming up today on the members-only episode from the expansion? Oh, we've got a great one coming up in the expansion. So we're going to be revisiting a topic we covered in season four strange accounts submitted by police officers. Oh yeah, fascinating stories. True accounts of the paranormal, high strangeness. We're gonna get deep into that because as you know, police officers, first responders, are the people who often see some of the most extreme unexplainable events because who do you call right when you're in an unexplainable situation when you're in fear for your life and there are no ghostbusters a lot of trauma energy going on absolutely especially with the disembodied folk out there yeah so we'll have some real harrowing accounts true stories from verified sources guys in the expansion so make sure you sign up and join us there and now it's time for the clip we'll see you on the other side
1: scare
2: anybody.
0: It was cool enough that fall night for a jacket and wet enough for rain gear. The rain was slapping my patrol car so hard, my wipers were heavy with rain and struggling to keep up. I was working as a patrol deputy assigned to a small county with a little over 370,000 people. It's small, but it has a reputation for over 50 haunted locations. Some of which are just legends and rumor, but others are well-documented. Squinting through the rain hammered windshield, I turned off Lone Rock Road and headed eastbound on Powell Road toward Tall Pines Park. The park's 64 acres of dense woods was quite lovely when it wasn't pouring, and I often enjoyed sitting in its parking lot to do my paperwork. A nursing home across from the park sat by itself. The closest house was about three blocks down on the opposite side of the road. One of my duties on the night shift was to close the park at dusk and to check to ensure it was clear of people which wouldn't be an issue on such a terrible night, or so I thought. I had no more pulled onto Lone Rock when my hard-working wipers revealed two people walking across the road, both wearing jackets with hoods up over their heads. It was unusual to see anyone out at this hour, especially in a storm without an umbrella and walking toward Tall Pines Park of all places. So I pulled up next to them and lowered my passenger window. Everything okay? I shouted over the pounding rain. A man, late forties, leaned in my window.
1: I was taking my mother for a walk, he said. And we're headed home now.
0: There was something about his voice, the tone. It was so dull, almost robotic. Welcome back from the break, guys. I hope it was as restful as ours was. Recharged and ready to hear some freaky tales. Absolutely. Yes, hope you have salted your thresholds. Yes.
1: <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like some sort of weird innuendo.
0: What, what doesn't in this show? With our unfortunate name, protect from the spirits. Sage to your bathroom or wherever you're listening. That's where I listen. That's where I listen, to. Light some candles in the tub. Enjoy some belief hole. Get it clean. John, <laughs> this first story comes from you, doesn't it? No, I don't, I don't know. Is this the one you read, Chris? Nope, this first tale is a submission, a speak pipe, if you will. Oh, that's right. This is a, a great tale. I don't think this needs much introduction. Um, this is called Dead in the Woods, submitted by Megan.
2: Hi guys. So I just finished listening to The Kids Say the Darkest Things, and I wanted to share my story about my son, who at the time was about three years old. And we've had experiences in the past with him of talking about his father being dead in the woods or his father drowning or just really scary, dark things. And my husband is alive. His dad is very much alive. He sees him every single day. And so one night my son is sleeping and I'm still up and I hear this blood curdling scream from him which is kind of not unusual but he was woken up by something and he's just screaming his head off and I go to his bedroom and I pick him up and he's just like unconsolable I cannot get him to calm down and he's just so scared and finally I bring him into my room and I'm like honey like what's going on how can I help you and he goes he goes my father he's dead he's dead he's dead And I'm like, honey, like he's daddy's here, daddy's here. And my husband is awake. He's now awake in his bed. And he's like, baby, like I'm I'm right here. I haven't left. Like, I'm right here. And my son looks at him. He goes, No, you're my dad now, but my real father, he's dead. (laughs) And I have never felt so small, never felt so scared for my little boy who I don't know. I don't know if he sees him or if he had this recurring dream of how his father has in the past, maybe has died. And since then, you know, I've asked my son very multiple times, you know, where's your dad now? Where's your dad? Where's your real father? And he always tells me who he always says, he's dead in the woods. So my husband, his father, is not dead. And I just can't help feel like he really is remembering his father in a past life. And it is just the most wildest thing. I don't encourage him to think these dark thoughts. We definitely don't watch any scary movies. So this is not from something um, that he's seen. He's had multiple other occurrences of having ghost friends and having conversations of of people that I can't see and so you know it's crazy to me that some people still believe that ghosts aren't real or past lives aren't real either so thank you for listening to my story and keep doing your amazing podcast because it's wonderful and thank you
0: yes thank you Megan
1: I have a quick thought on that thought it up bro do you remember that Netflix documentary
0: you watched that one? Oh, yeah, The Life After Death? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: There was a story directly like that about really? a child that I can't remember exactly the details. Was it the World War II of uh, the child who remembered being a pilot? Maybe. It's a pretty famous account. But he re- he ended up saying, I, I can't remember, it's too bad I can't remember the exact story, but it's very similar to that. Yeah, And they ended up like seeing pictures of, you know, showing the child pictures. And he, he remembered very specific details about his supposed death and his experience in this other life yeah. and
0: even his battalion he was involved didn't he and there was someone alive yeah they took too. him to see right it yeah. was like his sister or something but now she's old and he's a child
1: yeah, yeah. it was like a family mm-hmm. there's no way he could have known this stuff never exposed to anything like that never, no books or anything and just so yeah i think that stuff is is absolutely real i think that the soul is definitely doesn't start once in this life in my opinion yeah i mean it would be unnerving as a mother to hear that yeah. and a father for sure but yeah it's
0: not as uncommon probably as people think the idea of past lives yeah. i feel like that should be a topic we explore well point. yeah it's i mean a topic that i've been wanting to do for a long time one of the reasons why i haven't played Megan Speak Pipe yet we've had it for quite a while because i was always planning eventually we would do a reincarnation episode we just we haven't so i pulled it up for this one but yeah absolutely there's so much to get into when it comes to reincarnation and nearly 4 out of 10 adults under the age of 50 So that's 38% believe in reincarnation. I'm just giving you some stats as the world is right now. Is that what you're doing? That's what I'm doing. (laughs) And, but it's interesting as you get older, or at least as people in general get older, apparently the the belief diminishes in reincarnation for whatever reason.
1: Because it's all back to that childhood, how close you are to that. And another interesting thing about her story, obviously that sounded like a traumatic death of losing a father like dead in the woods. So it's super traumatic. It makes more sense why it would stick through that Reincarnation process. Yeah.
0: In in reincarnation research, there's a very common theme when it comes to traumatic experiences, including physical blemishes. For example, Mm birthmarks might occur in relationship to where someone was, you know, run through with a a scabbard or something. You know, like. What what is a scabbard? Isn't a sword? Or is that where the sword goes? Anyway, whatever it was, it sounds painful. Yeah. Or a knife. Or a knife. A spear. A spear. Most times it's a scabbard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, another harpoon, maybe. That connection. I mean, there are so many high-profile accounts, I feel like, of reincarnation. It would be fun to do a, a whole deep dive into that one day. But.
1: but Megan, yeah, if you haven't seen that documentary on Netflix, I think it's like a six-part series of all sorts of kind of near-death near experiences. Mm-hmm. Life after death. Life after death reincarnation. It's an interesting... I think
0: it out last year?
1: Yeah. It's do you know out the name of while. it?
0: I think it's called... Life after death? I don't know. <laughs> we'll put it in the show I can't remember, but yeah. We'll put a link to it.
2: Surviving death. On Netflix.
0: Surviving Death.
1: It's pretty well produced because it's, you know, Netflix quality. Mm -hmm. They have some pretty good corroboration.
0: Yeah, and if they still have them on YouTube, I remember going down rabbit holes of reincarnation, like from old In Search Of or even 90s history channel documentaries. So there's a lot of stuff out there with different people's experiences. I don't know how much YouTube allows of that stuff anymore. A lot of copyright stuff has worked its way through the machine. There's
1: a fair amount of research stories in regards to that kind of stuff. Like people from another continent can Mm -hmm. remember these experiences and they've researched that and yeah
0: oh especially in um, where you have the hindu faith Mm -hmm. right they
1: have a strong belief in that yeah
0: strong belief in that you have more experiences probably because they are more open to it you have more people listening that comes through more and we did a, a couple members only episodes in the expansion discussing the more bizarre accounts of the sort of the the strange bureaucracy of life after death and how souls might transfer from one existence to another and what that in between states like that just reminds me of the whole conversation about reincarnation and the the veil yeah it's a deep deep topic we'll have to get into another time in the whole. what
1: are we doing what what is this place what is
0: this life who are you how do we exist everyone just stop and look at your hands whatever you're doing unless you're driving stop and look at your hands and say are these hands me am i moving these hands or Am I just a player in this game? We
1: shouldn't be here. There's no reason that any of this. John, should I was
0: literally having this thought last night or the night before. I was, just, which panic,
1: just, this is
0: a, <laughs> was panic attack. This is a panic <laughs> attack. This is a thought that has come to mind a lot in my life. And I'm sure other people have had this thought many times, but you just, I've had conversations with people and I say, you know, does it ever strike you as strange that you happen to be alive in the all of eternity in this moment right now, we are alive here together. Yeah. Just stop and just think about that. And how
1: none of it should be able to exist right. to begin with. Yeah. Let alone the moon. Think about nothing. Right. How can all this be from nothing? Yeah. Like the big, ba- okay, the big bang. That's
0: the problem. Cool story, but yeah. what the hell does that have to do with this? How did that start? I mean, that's always the thing you go back to is if it all comes from nothing, well, yeah. how? Where does nothing come from? And just
1: think about entropy. Everything is dying and, you know, but how does it just keep
0: expanding and just... In a creative pattern-based way. In a creative, more intricate rather than explosive and destructive. Exactly. Things are building and growing, but why? Doesn't make any sense. Where is this purpose? There's no way we can comprehend it. No, it freaks me out when I think about it too much. Me too. It's like thinking about infinity, or touching your belly button on the inside. (laughs) Yeah, I get the same feeling of infinity. Do it now out there, listeners. Tickle your belly button. You will feel eternity. And
1: leave a comment in YouTube and tell us about it. (laughs)
0: Tell us about the tickling of your belly (laughs) button. Trying to
1: figure out how to stick one in there.
0: Anyway, that was Uh, a good tangent. Let's move along. What's our next story? A hand in the dark. You can probably guess what this is about. Listeners, loyal listeners of the Bleafall will know probably. Another disembodied hand? Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. This comes from Cordy and this happened in Baytown, Texas in 1992. That's what Texas is today. I know. I'm going there soon. Yes, you are. You'll be missed. I'm liking that thought right now. <laughs> it's very cold up here. <laughs> I'm jelly. Okay, ready? A hand in the dark. I lived in a home known for its spooky and supernatural experiences. It was in the city of Baytown, Texas, and the home was on Peggy Street. It was said that the neighborhood had been built on top of Indian burial grounds, and I have been told by my father many haunting stories about that home, things that we were not privileged to as children as to not frighten us. However, me and my brother and sisters, we all still had very freaky things that happened to us. It was 1992, and I was barely five years old. We had some company visiting, and they planned to stay the night, so my brother and I were asked to sleep on the floor in my sister's room to allow our guests to have our beds. Everything was fine that evening, and we had a great night with our company. When it was almost time for us kids to go to bed, my brother and I were given sleeping bags so that we could crash on our sister's floor. I remember having trouble falling asleep, but I can't recall why. Being five years old, it could have just been the excitement of having company over. I remember rolling over to my side. I was now facing the underside of my sister's bed. When I peered into the dark blackness beneath her bed, I noticed something moving. At first, I thought maybe it was a mouse, but it was much bigger than that. Then I realized that it was slowly moving towards me. Just as it broke the edge of the bed, I could see it. The moon was shining through the window, through the darkness, and there. I guess you could say it stood. It rested upon all five fingers, crawling as if to drag the wrist behind it. As it crawled towards me, I didn't know what to do. I felt frozen in fear, unable to move, unable to scream. And then, suddenly, it sprung from the floor at my face. And as it did, I rolled over away from it. I never did feel it touch me, and I did not see it again that night. The next morning when I woke, I assumed it had been a bad dream, as terrifying as it was. The following day, everything proceeded as normal. Nothing strange about the day, no hand, no surprises of any kind. Just a normal, casual day. But that evening, I knew that when it came time for bed, I would have to go back to my sister's room and lay on the floor. I tried to get my brother to switch me spots as I could not bear to sleep next to the bed, but he refused. When first getting into my sleeping bag, there was nothing and I quickly fell asleep. However, I did eventually wake to the sound of tapping next to my head When I opened my eyes, there it was. I could see it clearly now, just a hand and a wrist glaring in the moonlight. It was pale and almost gray in color with long black hairs covering most of the top of the hand and the wrist. It was tapping, almost as if to wake me up, as if whatever it wanted from me, I needed to be awake for. Suddenly, the hand lurched out and jumped at my face. But the hand seemed to go through me as if it were just air. I could feel the pressure of the air as if it was going through my face like a strong breeze. And then it was gone, just as quickly as it appeared. At this point, being absolutely terrified and being a five-year-old boy, I let out the most blood-curdling scream I could muster. My brother and sisters quickly ran to the door to get out, but the door would not open. I scrambled to get out of my sleeping bag, but could not as the zipper was stuck. I felt trapped and continued to scream. My father ran to the door and had to bust it open with his shoulder. We all ran from the room screaming, and to this day, no one else in my family has seen that hand. I now live about 18 hours away, as far away from that house as I can get without leaving the country. I have other stories about that home that I would be happy to share with you one day, but all that talk of disembodied hands on the podcast, before hearing those stories, I had never heard another experience like mine. As soon as you guys mentioned them, I could see it all again very clearly, and the hair on the back of my neck stood out straight. Chills still run down my spine from thinking about it. So weirdly common, yeah. I just don't understand. Isn't that bizarre? You don't understand. <laughs> oh, I don't understand. It is so strange. I'm just glad our show is spreading awareness.
1: Maybe thing from Adam's family is based off a true character. I've said this every time we tell. No, this. <laughs> I've never said that. I just said it reminds me of that. I've never said. Just
0: formulating a theory in real time. You know how I know? Because I we looked it up on the air where thing how the idea came about by the creator of. Oh, really? Thing. Did I ever say though that I think? I wonder if it was inspired. Yes. I never said that. I will pull it up for you. We'll drop it right now. <laughs> I
1: never say the same thing twice.
0: <laughs> Did you guys know that over 73% of people in the United States believe in disembodied hands? 73%? No, I made that up. I was going to say. <laughs> Where are you getting these statistics? I wish it's more like 0.001%. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that you wouldn't... Yeah, I would never... be to the show, I would never yeah. even consider that as being... It's a, just such a silly thing. It yeah. seems like that. I mean... Terrifying, probably, if you're in that. I position. wonder if
1: Adam's family is based off of
0: Deja <laughs> Vu. That's a great theory. Here comes the time loop. But that, that is strange. I do, I that's one of the things I'm proud of about the show is spreading the awareness of just the weirdest stuff like that that might actually have a basis in reality. Yeah. It's
1: really one of my proudest moments, too. Uh, right. Well,
0: especially the <laughs> the distinct characteristics of these accounts. I mean the things yeah. that link them together, like the coarse black hair, yeah. right? Often from under the bed seems to be a common thing. And you know, I just realized this account, we did another account before where the door wouldn't open. There was some connection between not being able to leave where the, mm-hmm. someone had to break the door down. Uh, very bizarre. And also the semi-trans, like where it kind of goes through the person, like a wind, it just a little bit reminded me of, what's his name's tale? Simon's tale about the transparent red glowing hand where there's sort of that right. phasing aspect to it. Anyway, we will be digging more into that in the future for sure. That's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yes. yes. Terrific. We're compiling an archive of disembodied hands. Let's give, give him a hand. Sorry, I had to. so cheesy all right our next tale this is this is an incredible tale john why don't you set this one up uh this we will call the boogeyman sent by brandy timms oh yeah this happened in her childhood home in traveler's rest south carolina 2016 brandy is a twin that's what i heard identical and two of us are twins
1: yeah she's listens with her sister i actually i'm sorry i don't remember your sister's name at the moment but is it sandy i don't know brandy and sandy grandy candy candy and <laughs> I, doubt <it's> candy. <laughs> I doubt it anyways yeah so she i don't know there's not really much to set up in the story yeah, i guess it's i kind of set it up yeah, already if you set it up anymore it's gonna ruin the yeah. story well
0: hi to brandy and sister thank you for listening and yeah hope you enjoy your story cheers guys ladies twins of the night here we go
1: this happened while i still lived in my childhood home one day my friend from work and her kid came over to my house I don't remember why they came over, but I do remember her kid wanting to play outside. The kid got into some dirt and got all muddy. I told her I would take him in to wash his hands. While I was standing at the sink, holding up this kid so he could reach the sink, the kid turned towards the outside of the bathroom, looked to the hallway, and pointed towards the area right outside my mom and dad's bedroom door. The kid pointed and said, The Boogeyman. I didn't know what to think. This kid could barely talk, and his mom said she never told her kid about any boogeyman. When we got outside, we told his mom what happened. I asked the kid, what did this boogeyman look like? He said, tall, blue eyes, and blonde on the top, with red above his eye and hand. I said, what was he wearing? He said, gray and pointed to his torso, and then said, blue, and pointed to his pants. My heart dropped. My dad was not with us anymore. He described my dad to a T, and he described what my dad was wearing the last time I ever saw him alive. He was killed in a car accident just five years prior to this, a mile away from home. The thing is, I had to identify the body at the hospital and my dad had only a scrape that was bleeding on his hand and a place that was bloody above his eye. That's it. Other than that, he kind of looked like he was asleep. When I saw him, he had already been taken out of his clothes, but I remember what he was wearing the last time I saw him walk out of the door at home, and it was given back to us in a belongings bag from the morgue. He had on a gray hoodie that my sister and I had bought for him for Christmas a few days earlier and blue jeans. I thought to myself, this couldn't be a coincidence. He had to have seen my dad's ghost. We have had many other things happening, like things falling off the wall or doors closing and other weird noises. There was just a presence there. You could feel it. It was sometimes a good presence, but there were times it didn't feel like my dad. There were times it felt like an evil bad presence. It creeped me out.
0: Creepy. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Sorry for your loss. First of all, that's must've been absolutely tragic to have to deal with that.
0: Yeah. Identify your dad at the morgue. But it does
1: seem like he was trying to connect. Connect. Yeah. That's what obviously my first thought was.
0: Yeah. And your child would be the one, the access point, it was her friend's child, but yeah.
1: Again, the back to the child thing, they're closest to that other side, you know? Yeah. And he must've appeared that way specifically so that it was oh. obvious that it was such a pivotal moment for them to know those specific details yeah, if
0: you're, you're gonna remember what he looked like at that point exactly it's interesting i always wonder about that because you hear accounts of people who see potentially disembodied dead people the spirit of a, of a dead person and a lot of times the last way they looked comes through mm-hmm. i always wonder what the rules are when it comes to the afterlife and what, what state you are in, in the afterlife where is it a decision to appear a certain way or based on how, what point you are in the afterlife, you might just appear a certain way. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe we should look at that shadow book story. You remember
0: it talked about like the rules of engagement. Yeah. The last episode were you talked about? Yeah. The shadow book of GN. Yeah. It reminded me of that too, because he, in that book. This was in the expansion. In the expansion. Yeah. Mem-
1: members episode.
0: Members only episode. We had discussed a story where basically this guy saw these lights on the hill at night these people in their houses. And then later he went up to the hill the next morning to thought they might be a market there and everyone was gone. It was just graves. Yeah. In his suggestion being that they are maybe out of habit, out of circumstance, the dead, maybe even unintentionally recreate a visual reality or what they used to in the real life. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he posed the question of what they would do in that culture thousands of years ago of burying people with certain clothes or like in ancient Egypt is the common example of that, where you bury with like old boats and models yeah. of things. Can you use that in the next life? Right. Is there some kind of transfer?
1: That actually wasn't the story I was talking about. I know
0: what John was thinking about. You're talking about oh, the checkpoints, the, the, the general checkpoints.
1: Oh, was he a general? It was that
0: stopped writing the. Oh, that's right. That was, good it, was it. Was basically Tickets? it was our <laughs> yeah. main guy, Gien, and he had you know he was powerful up in the, in the. Um, Chinese empire? In, in the empire, thank you. Qing dynasty. And uh, at one point he was traveling and they said, he needed to fill out these forms. He's like, what's this about? And he's like, oh, this is you know, basically your spirit form. You have to fill this out because they have to have the right, they have to pay to pass certain boundaries. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Close it down. This is a great story, by the way. Check out the episode. As if a, a corpse is passing a point. You had right. to fill out the information of how So the spirit died. could move with the corpse to be buried in its home place. Right. So he's like, this is ridiculous. Shut it down. You're basically scamming people. This took place a couple hundred years ago for those who haven't heard the episode. So he ends up having it shut down. But then there are reports of hauntings all along the border of moaning spirits of crazy stuff happening. He doesn't believe until it happens to him. They come to his home. They're angry because they can't get more.
1: Well, there's checkpoints and then there's check. They talk about the checkpoints after you die, too. There's like a series of things that happen on the other side that allow people to navigate where they're supposed to go to next. And that first one that got cut off made it so confusing for the spirits and they didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah, and it makes you wonder, he poses this in that book. He says, you know, how much of what we believe in this life transfers over so that it creates our own boundaries and borders in the next life? Are we creating a sort of blockage? Or in between this life and the next. Yeah, it's interesting. Like if you expect to be stuck at a border after you die, will you experience that? Is it partly temporarily because you're anticipating that? And some cultures have different experiences passing over is Mm -hmm. that maybe why i'd love to do a whole other episode on barricading the boogeyman and spiritual borderlands Mm -hmm. like we've done in the past we should do another dive on that so interesting fascinating yes well for our last tale this is one we teased at the beginning and it ties directly into our members only episode in the expansion because this is reported to our listener tracy by her friend josh who is a tribal police officer in the Uintah basin this happened approximately 2009, and this happens right near the famous Skinwalker Ranch, for those of you who don't know. We covered it many moons ago. Yeah, season one, by the way, archived now, check it out. Available only to members in the expansion. We did a very deep dive on that, and that plays a key role in this story. This is called Skinwalker Escapee. This is another story from the Utah Basin near Skinwalker Ranch. I had a friend who was a police officer for the tribal police here in Roosevelt, Utah. He told me this story one night at a family party. His name was Josh. One night, he and his partner got a call from dispatch. You guys can check the area. Someone was calling about a strange trespasser getting into their garbage or something in their backyard. They were given an address, and when they arrived, they realized that they were just outside the east end of Skinwalker Ranch. Little did they know that this was probably a key factor in what they were about to experience. They had the owners of the house on the phone as they pulled up in the driveway. The owners were describing a small humanoid creature with big eyes and said that it was hiding behind their propane tank. Houses here are rural and natural gas is not common, so families use large tanks of propane for gas heat. Sure enough, as their lights shined on the tank, they saw a small oval-shaped head protruding up from behind the tank and then watched as it slowly slid down behind the tank. As if to hide. They both saw it and made remarks about how big its eyes were, preceded by and followed by several colorful expletives. They then watched as it peeked up from behind the tank and lowered back down a few more times. Josh described to me an oval, almost round head, gray in color, about the size of a basketball, with very large black eyes, a small mouth, and an almost illegible nose. They were shocked, he said and joked that they had zero training for dealing with gray aliens. So at this point, he and his partner quickly formulated a plan. My friend would sneak out of the patrol car and move behind it and back around the corner of the side of the house and approach it from the side and behind. His partner would stay in the vehicle and remain in contact with Josh via radio. When Josh was in position, he would signal his partner and they would both run up to it and snatch it up as so many stray dogs. Josh left the car and snuck out behind the house and signaled to his partner. His partner exited the vehicle upon which the strange little creature immediately sprang straight toward Josh. But upon seeing Josh, it turned and ran out through the knee-high sagebrush like a flash. Josh described its motion as jerky and quick as lightning, moving from bush to bush, using them to conceal himself. At this point, Josh goes on to describe to Tracy what this thing looked like in more detail. He said it had a small, frail-looking body, almost just bones, but obviously strong and athletic. It was all gray with a large head out of proportion of its body size, maybe stood three feet tall. It was very strange looking, and it really frightened both he and his partner. The creature stopped maybe 40 yards away and began peeking out from behind a bush as it had done previously. He was stunned. He regained his courage as his partner caught up to him and they both pursued it through the sagebrush for a short distance, weapons strong. Then it turned around and ran straight towards, you guessed it, Skimwalker Ranch. Its speed was amazing and made it obvious that they would never catch up to it. They just watched, wide mouthed and silent, as it ran to the line of large cottonwood trees that marked the edge of the property and disappeared in the foliage. I have no idea what they told the homeowners or what they wrote up in their report that shift, but the experience changed his view of our tiny, mysterious planet. And by the way, these are all true stories. Josh looked me in the eyes as he relayed this experience, and this good, honest public servant was telling the truth. Yeah, you need a credible source for a story like that. That's for sure. Pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those, that sounds just so out there, you're chasing a gray alien type humanoid right. thing. How could this possibly be real? But again, if you listen to our episode in Skinwalker Ranch or have like, Chris, when you did research on this mm-hmm. initially, the amount of credible sources in the book, was it George Knapp, Hunt for the Skinwalker, or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that, about Skinwalker Ranch? George Knapp and Kelleher. There's just a lot of people, scientifically minded people that were involved, like NIDS. And- yeah. And you had, I mean, if you think about it, these things do happen and did happen. And by the way, I do believe that a lot of these things did occur at Skinwalker Ranch. Then you have to admit That real people were experiencing things just like this. Everything from, they had bizarre cattle mutilations, interdimensional portals opening up with hairy necklace giant creatures dropping out. Mm -hmm. Things that are sound bananas, but you have very credible, highly trained and skilled people involved reporting and relaying these accounts. And this is the Four Corners area, right? Yeah. I mean, but the tribal police specifically because of this area and its strange nature, the geography there, there are so many stories and so many accounts of bizarre happenings in the Four Corners jc johnson cryptid four corners i think mm-hmm. is a show i remember listening to him a long time ago but he had some crazy accounts from that area as well there's just something about that area and it spills out from the ranch spills out from other places i know stardust ranch is near there if you put any salt in that specific story but and there's like a trifecta of ranch it's like it's the third one's not coming to my mind right now but just a lot of a lot of weird ranch stuff but yeah big Low owned it for a while we covered it during that period then um Brandon Fugel. At the time, we didn't know who he was, but that's who owned Adamantium Real Estate, oh, who had right. bought that property. So I don't know if anything's going on there. If To me, it seemed like one of these places where things might very well dry up yeah. after a period of time. But yeah, who knows? Bizarre either way. Yeah, they do have a show, John. I know I think you watched some of that, or you were talking about watching that at one point, that Skinwalker Ranch show that came on a couple years back.
1: Yeah, I watched it. It was pretty good. It was definitely like a scientific exploration i think there's this another season i watched the first one
0: yeah maybe you should review it at some point I,
1: it's pretty interesting i mean they definitely there's a lot of anomalies there like with you know scientific tools that they're trying to measure and study yeah like i mean i don't remember the specific scientific tools they use but
0: yeah i remember when we covered it in the first season it was always hard even when they were reviewing what they had what bigelow and other people had done in the past it was like they would have these incredible anomalous events occur. And every time that they would move their gear to capture that again, they would go somewhere else. Like they were toying with them. There was a consciousness there. Yeah.
1: There's definitely something going on there. It's hard to know if it's just, you know, when there's very high levels of radiation and stuff mm-hmm. like that, how it can mess with your mind right, and, or in the rock and potentially even link to like tape theory. Right. But, you know, they didn't have any specific hard evidence as far as Extraterrestrial we caught this or, on tape. Kind of. Yeah, but there was like weird lighting anomalies, and I didn't see season two, but it was still interesting. I thought it was an interesting scientific approach because all of the people there were of scientific mind and scientific yeah. backgrounds. Yeah, they did have a weird attack on. They brought in llamas at one point. Oh, really? Yeah, like bait.
0: Yes, like goats for tyrannosaurus rex. Kind
1: of like bait, but they, it was very like controlled. It wasn't like they just left them out in the open. It was like yeah. high barbed wire fences or something. Yeah, I don't. Don't quote me on that. But they caught just that tail end of it. Something attacked it. They, they don't know how it got in there. Really, it looked like
0: a creature. Did they have footage of the creature, or based on how the, the like the kill effects? I
1: mean, it wasn't like I can't remember exactly. They had some footage of it, but it was because it was so intensely the way the they llamas were screaming and stuff. Yeah. And there was like hanging off the back of it Ugh. at one point. It was very anomalous. Oh, there was another weird anomaly too now that I remember. There was weird stuff going on with the cattle there. Something would freak out the cattle and they'd be pushed to like the very far end of the field. And then at one point, somehow this cow got isolated. They had footage of it and there was a, Right when it, it died, it lifted its head up to the sky and it just died in that moment. And they, they oh, were weird. able to freeze the frame and there was an orb right no above way. its head. Really? Yeah. Like right at the exact moment it lifted its head up. That's fascinating. And then they had Linda Moulton Howe come out of and course and examine the cow and there was very bizarre things that happened in that moment. She broke open
0: wide the whole catamulation phenomenon back mm-hmm. in the seventies, nineties. Nine, I thought it was before that. It was it nineties? Might have been earlier. A strange harvest, I think.
2: A strange harvest, nineteen
0: eighty. Linda Moulton Howe. Strange Harvest. You remember we we did our episode on Skinwalker Ranch and we relayed those cattle stories. Remember the one where they are all somehow ended up mutilated inside the pen, like inside this container car. Just bizarre stuff. You know Broken legs. Remember the wolf that was shot several times? The larger than life wolf right. that wandered onto the property. Definitely check that episode out. I mean, yeah, when you talk about like officials there recording this stuff, this was back I mean Previous to the new series, NIDS and Bass was there. Or those organizations were formed because of Skinwalker Ranch. Right. The government invested money into Bigelow's operations there. A whole fascinating history behind this this property. Yeah. yeah. We may have to revisit at some point. Yeah. Since it's a members-only episode now. Fascinating.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. We should probably wrap this one up.
0: Get to producing it and putting it out for you guys on time. We do have some thank yous. Actually, we had a problem with the thank you list oh, yeah. this week. so. We will have to delay thank yous till next episode, but if you haven't signed up yet to the Blackhead Cool Kid level and you want to hear your name read, I would do it now because we are considering raising that to the next tier just because we are having trouble keeping up and we want to make sure everybody's name gets read before too long. We definitely have some names to catch up on. And when we do finally bump it to that next tier, I think we might move the thank you mentions to the Dogman Whisperer tier. But when we do that, what's cool is we're going to be in the very near future, adding additional perks to that Dogman Whisperer tier, hopefully including uh, regular videos of some kind, maybe a paranormal news update. A lot to talk about, a lot to think and do, but we'll announce that as it comes, guys. Really excited about it. So don't delay. All right. Thank you, guys, so much. Yes. And uh, yes, again, if you're a member of the whole Expansion Experience, then you now have access to today's members only full length, fully produced episodes. Yes. So go check it out. The Thin Boo Line Paranormal Cops, Cops and Spooks, Spooks and Ghosts and Cops, or something to that effect. <laughs> yes. All righty. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on, on Bleedful
1: timed perfectly.